I'm home now. Good. Alison has had the week off, or is having the week off, and has spent so much time worrying about work. Yeah, I got to admit that when I do have time to to take a vacation, I don't think about work once. I think that's the right way to do it. It's a holiday. Like, it's exactly worry about work at work. Yeah. I'm like, uh, did I remember? Oh, fuck those guys. You know what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're, they're the poor bastards still at work. They can worry yep. about stuff. That's where I am with it. Let's see. So tonight is remember when it was okay to play with guns, toy guns. That's it. And all of my preparation was done in the last 15 minutes. Mine too. <laughs> I actually just spent time trying to remember myself getting hurt and things like that. See, I don't remember getting hurt with the guns themselves. Oh, no, not with the guns. No. It was more like arguments that would happen while we were playing with the guns. And then someone would throw something at someone else. Yeah, those were good times. <laughs> I'm actually just trying to find an almost relevant story on the BBC News site. Where are we? Because teachers here are now blaming computer games for kids hurting each other. They're doing that today. I think it's just that teachers haven't been in the news for a little bit and they just want to make some noise. When you say that they're doing that today, you mean like they're doing that as of this news publishing cycle? Yeah. Or these days? No, as of this news publishing cycle. Ah. Interesting. Not these days. No, they, they're moaning about a lot of things. I'm so glad I'm not a teacher. They have such a... a they seem so unhappy. I can tell you Lisa is. She she hates her job. It doesn't it doesn't sound like fun to think I nearly did that. It was just so much better than I didn't. You can't swear at the kids. You just you mustn't do that. See, we've discussed whether if I became a teacher how long it would take for me to get fired, and it would probably be somewhere about the second period of the day. Yeah. Yeah, it, it well, I, I didn't even get to, like, qualified teacher status. I am in no position to criticize anyone. I, I didn't even make it all the way through to being left unsupervised with a class of kids. <laughs> Not long-term, anyway. No, I cannot find this thing. It's probably a non-story, anyway. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Anyway, I'm ready when you are, I suppose. Okay, let me get my window up here in front of me, because I, I got to admit I was toying with something else here. Okay, just let me know. I'm I'm going as as we are, so you you just jump us right in whenever you're ready. Okay. Hey there, internet. This is Jason, and I've got Rich with me here again for another episode of Remastered, the show where we talk to you about the formative things in our childhoods. We're talking about the 1980s and 1990s, and today we're talking about some toys because once upon a time. It was okay to actually play with toy guns, and, and nobody said anything about it. Yeah, it was It was pretty much what you got if you were a boy. You got toy guns. The girls had their dolls, and they could do whatever they wanted, but uh, you know, we ran around playing cowboys and Indians, and that was fine. We didn't play cowboys and Indians so much here. Well, you wouldn't, no. seeing as how you didn't have any Indians. Well, 
cowboys and Indians between the British, that, that would be a little bit different. That would be a little... I don't know what we'd do. We, we played army. There was a lot of army. That sort of thing. Um, I, I think probably a lot of carryover from sort of... Because thinking about it, my dad would... When my dad was playing army, that was sort of like 10 years after World War Two. And so for me to be a kid and play at being in the army, fine. No problems there. It was weird for us to play army because we were in a weird time. I don't know. When we were playing guns, had Desert Storm happened yet? Um, Not as we would have started playing guns. What year was Desert Storm? I, I remember it all happening. So was it Desert Storm 91, 92, somewhere yeah. in there? So we'd have been sort of 10, 11 years old. Um, so yeah, we I I was still playing guns at that age. Yeah, I think I was as well actually. It's now I say it out that it seems really that actually seems a bit old to be playing with toy guns, but I probably was. Yeah, I was a little bit stunted that way too. I'm not afraid to say it. I don't I don't view it as stunted at all. I think do you know what I got put off by the more physical outdoor activities, you skateboarding, that sort of thing. Plus, I, I couldn't skateboard. There was an incident with a gatepost and my head and blood and stitches and that sort of thing. And after that, I was kind of, no, I don't need to be doing the running around, jumping things. So the guns was a sort of, it was it was a happy medium. You could get away with not too much running and jumping and falling think, off things. I think 9, 10, 11 is when I started to transition away from guns and, and more, I wanted to be a professional basketball player. All right. So there, yeah, there were a lot of days spent out on the courts instead of running around in the woods. Was that ever a possibility for you, or was it just something you wanted to do when you were eleven? It was a delusional possibility. Right. No, I was. I was never any good at all. Right. I just liked it. I got quite into basketball around that age, actually. I really did. I'd go and play weekly down at the Doncaster Dome, and uh, we had a hoop in the backyard that I did once play with. Uh, so that, that went down well with my dad after he spent hours putting that up. Uh, but yeah, basketball was one of my things for a while and I liked the trainers that came with it because you got the high top sneakers and everything. Oh, is that what you call them? Trainers? Trainers. Yeah. This is a fun little thing to delve into because, uh, Lisa swears up and down that you're not allowed to call them sneakers. They're tennis shoes, regardless of whether or not they're actually used for tennis in any capacity. You see, I would actually say sneakers, but I wouldn't apply it to the same type of shoes that I'd say trainers were. Trainers are more a sort of, they are specifically for sport. But sneakers can be a kind of light trainers, but just a casual, almost fashion item, I, w I would say. I grew up in primarily in New York, and uh, they, they were always sneakers. As long as it had a rubber sole and you could wear it on a gym floor, they were sneakers. Right. You'll never have had the, the plimsoll. The what now? Yeah, that, that's a very British-sounding word. Plimsolls. Like trainers, but much lower quality, with, with just worse in every possible way uh, that you can imagine. The sort of thing that schools would in, in, insist should be part of your PE uniform. Have I are gone, we talking like, I've, are I've, talking like Chucks? I don't know. Let me see if I can find a picture of something that I would deem... There we go. That's a good one. Oh, and they still sell them at Marks and Spencer's for £2.50. That's brilliant. 
Um, what are we looking at here? What are we seeing? Just bear with me a second. I'll, I think I've... Yeah. Now, what I've found here, this is sort of a... <coughs> this is a slip-on plint, plimsoll. Uh, you would have had lace-up ones ordinarily for PE at school. But they're sort of the generic trainer sort of footwear thing without it being a brand like Nike or Adidas or whatever specifically designed to be really dull and boring so that nobody argues over who's got the best pair of trainers. So these are pretty much just like dock shoes. These We, we have these, but these are like uh, the, the worst of the worst kind of active shoes that you can buy at like Walmart or Kmart. Absolutely, yes. You're, even on this link I've sent you, they're, they're £2.50 a pair. You know, that's, that's what, that's like $4 a pair. Uh, and so the point is, you'd have those to do PE in at school. Because if you didn't, the idea being that you've got one kid with a 150-pound pair of trainers that he's brought to school and they get stolen. And then that makes the kid whose parents can't afford those trainers feel crap and so on and so on. So everyone just wears generic plimsolls. But they are, oh, they are you're horrific. Still, you're still prisoners to your feelings. Yeah. Oh, you got to cater to the lowest common denominator. I always hated that in school. It might be different now. They might be allowed trainers, but I, I actually doubt it. In fact, what was it? In, in, in my, my dad's school, when he retired from teaching, uh, they, the kids would wear slippers at school all day as well. That was just what they did. They wore slippers to school. Well, not to school, but at school. Which I always thought seemed like a nice, comfy thing to do. That would be quite good if you could get to work and just put a pair of slippers on and be comfy all day. In Northern Ireland and Central Scotland, they're sometimes known as gutties. Sannies from Sandshoe is also used in Scotland. In parts of the West Country and Wales, they're known as Ralph. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's a word with no vowels in, you've found, isn't it? No, it's dap. Daps are dappers, but my family's from Wales. I know how this works. I know what they do. They just throw a whole bunch of A's and Y's and L's and E's together. I don't think even they know. I think they just pretend to know so they can fool the rest of us. That's what it is. No one knows. In London, the home uh, and the home counties, much of the West Midlands and northwest of England, they're known as pumps. Okay. Oh, pumps. So, uh, yeah, that's 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 what I'd have said. Huh, as a right. kid. Yeah, they'd have been pumps. And they come in black or white, but no other co- absolutely no other colors. They would be black or they would be white, and not even some sort of combination. You wouldn't get re- patterned ones or anything like that. Regardless of their um, you know, fashion appeal, they look like they'd be absolutely just murder on your ankles playing basketball or pretty much anything. Yeah, absolutely. There's uh, there's no upper ankle support. No. There's there's barely any support of any notable kind there's nothing nothing good to say about these shoes other than just about everyone can afford a pair and that's it and there's there's no merit to stealing somebody else's unless you just want to piss that person off (laughs) prison shoes that's what they look like yeah they wouldn't surprise me if they do wear them in prisons no laces with no laces exactly wouldn't surprise me in fact, there must be laced up ones because they, oh, there are, but they're, they're, they'd never, there's some on there that are black and white. They'd never have been allowed at my school. They had to be uh, unicolored? Yeah, we had white ones. We had a very specific PE uniform. Uh, there was the the inside PE uniform, which was white plimsolls, 
white shorts, white t-shirt, and plain white t-shirt. And then outside, there was the school reversible rugby shirt. So on one side, on the outside, it was orange, and on the inside, it was brown. Uh, And then plain black shorts and black plimsolls. Wow, they really, uh, it sounds like prison from all the specificity that's going on. It felt like prison. Try telling that to my mum and dad. They would have none of it, but it was it was <laughs> like prison. And you're doing this and it's snowing and you're like, I don't like rugby. I'm never going to play rugby. I'm getting nothing out of this other than pain. And you do it. Absolutely ridiculous. There have been books written about British PE lessons. It's it, There's a book called Kez which is a, a quite iconic British book, which you may have heard of, I don't know. Uh, it's it's worth a read just for the, the sequence that is a PE lesson at school because it just sums it up perfectly. With the, you know, P, we, the PE talked... teacher that's playing football thinking he's actually, but pretending he's on the England squad, knocking all the kids <laughs> over. You know, we've talked absolutely zero about um, toy guns, and I'm fine with that because you've got my curiosity roused now. Tell me all about PE class because I want I want to compare and see what you guys did in gym compared to what we might have done. It wasn't always that that bad. I mean, you'd you'd hope and pray for a PE inside lesson because I certainly didn't want to go outside. Some kids who, you know, they're kind of, oh, we want to be on the football team, that sort of thing. They'd want to go outside. Screw that. I don't want to be doing PE at all, so inside is preferable. Um, and otherwise, that's where the basketball court was. My school had a massive sports hall and a separate gym, and uh, the school field was enormous, unusually large for a school uh, in this country, uh, especially after the 80s when a lot of schools sold off their school fields to housing developers but that's a whole other issue and we had a a sort of dry weather pitch sort of the gravel that goes in your skin when you fall over on it and scuff your knee horrible stuff and so PE lessons at my secondary school were quite varied but it usually involved the playing of some sport or other depending on where you were in the either the time of year or the the school curriculum that sort of thing so you'd have sort of basketball some uh, badminton inside, uh, some gym work, which on occasion extended to such hideous things as dance and movement and that sort of thing. You know, just you just imagine being sort of 13 and you have to make up a dance and then perform that dance for the rest of the class at the end of the lesson and watch everybody else's dance that they've prepared. I mean, just thinking about it, I wouldn't want to do that now, but as an awkward 13-year-old with no experience of these things, I, it, no one wanted to do it. Now, despite our cultural differences, our gym classes sound very, very much alike, but whereas you had the, the unique hell of having to make up your own interpretive dances, we were forced to engage as a cultural component to our physical education classes in square dancing. Oh, dear God. Yes, because, you know, the United States is all about apple pie and baseball and square dancing. And square dancing is such a root part of our culture here that, no, it's not. (laughs) No, just absolutely not. I don't know. I don't understand why this is something that they forced on us. But at one point, someone in the Department of Education at the federal level said, okay, we need to mandate that all school districts push some sort of active culture on their kids and plays aren't active. 
music isn't active and art isn't active. So we're going to force these kids to do square dancing. That's that's painful. It sounds almost like the British equivalent of that would be getting kids to do Morris dancing, which is... And I, I don't even know what that is. Uh, I, right, okay. Um, I, Morris dancing is one of those things where it's so awful. If you ever got your hands on a time machine... It wouldn't be long before you started plotting a way to go back through history and erase Morris dancing from ever <laughs> occurring, right? I mean, your obvious ones, you know, oh, let's go and be a cowboy in the Old West. Maybe let's stop Hitler. All that. So, oh, should we do that, though? And all that debate. Eventually, you just get, no, do you know what, lads? We're, we're going to go back and stop Morris dancing because that, that shit can't be. Um, <laughs> and it's it's become the domain. It's sort of... I'm gonna I'm gonna look up the Wikipedia thing so I don't uh, come out with some major factual gaffe about it. It is traditional English d- dancing. Okay, so straight away the dates I'm seeing on Wikipedia are like 1448, sort of thing. And so it's... when I think back onto all the period movies that I've seen, where you have people in powdered wigs and oversized no. dresses and in too tight corsets, um, I need to fight. You, you really need to see a video of it. There will be lots and lots of video on YouTube of Morris dancing. I'm I'm gonna find you a, a a link. Oh my God! The first thing is the Morris dancing championships of 2011. But uh, Morris dancing in Oxford. This is this is the sort of thing you want to see. It's. It's really horrible. Uh, Alison's mum and dad used to do this. I've just sent you a link over Skype. Uh, th- this was something they would do. And you, you'll still get it in sort of small villages in, in Yorkshire and, and all around here. Uh, but it's more sort of a, a jolly pastime of the middle classes rather than it's, it's got no cultural meaning anymore other than it is very old and looks ridiculous. Um, it's, it's quite silly. And the sticks are a necessary part of it? Oh, yes. They, they hit the sticks on each other's sticks. That's, that's what they do. And it's, it's just awful. It's, it's just awful. Honestly. So for my fellow Americans, what I'm seeing here looks something akin to... It's almost kind of a square dance type thing, except that it, it's in a line, and there's interchanging between the lines, and they rearrange in different patterns. And uh, kind of a clog jump step in between as they change around. And then they have these, uh, what amounts to drum batons with nice feathers on the ends. And yeah. they tap them strategically on the ground or against each other. Yeah. This looks terrible, Rich. I don't know how you would have endured this for very long. I, I, it's, it's just horrible. I, like I say, I think you wouldn't be long before you tried to wipe that out from history if you ever got a time machine. Did they at least let you uh, intermingle with the ladies while this was happening? Oh, we, we oh sorry, no, we didn't do the Morris dancing at the school. We didn't. I actually bet there will be some places that do do it at school, uh, but not in Doncaster. We we did have. Do you know what? Whether our PE lessons were mixed or not depended on what we were doing. Generally, the indoor lessons were mixed, but the outdoor lessons, where we did things like rugby and football and hockey. And that sort of thing. They weren't mixed. So that's it. Because you can play girl, a team of girls at basketball. That's fine. If a group of boys take on a group of girls at rugby, there's going to be trouble. See, we never actually did, um, you, you know, intermingle 
the genders when it came to sports. It, it was it was never a basketball team of, of guys and a basketball team of girls. But the one blessed thing, uh, comparing this soul-crushing <laughs> Morris dancing video to our square dancing, the one blessed thing about square dancing is that you got to spend a lot of close one-on-one time with the girls. Right. And I'm positively brimming with anticipation and joy at the very thought of being ever able to do square dancing again after watching that video. Because <laughs> comparatively, <laughs> I don't feel so bad anymore. It happens. It still goes on. I've, I've maybe even on my own YouTube page, there's a video of Morris dancers we saw on holiday. They'll be out. They'll be out in the street next month in Howarth. All around. Morris dancing. It's a May thing. I think it might have some connection to sort of spring and old English traditions and maples and yeah, stuff. it's very Wicker Manish. Yeah, I get it, that kind it, of vibe. Yeah, it mm-hmm. it's it's sort of that's yeah, the Wicker Man stuff was all taken from all this stuff. That sort of thing. It's it's very creepy. There was a period in time where the square dancing gave way to line dancing. Did you ever have to to sit through any of that? Uh, we have line dancing now would be something that happens for senior citizens in shopping malls in the middle of weekdays. Uh, we never that never happened it's either in schools or as a popular culture event. Do you know what? It was actually around the time Achy Breaky Heart came out. Yes, that that's the one torturous song that we had to do over and over and over and over again, although once in a while they would break up the monotony. They'd, they'd give us a little bit of the, the electric slide and that sort of thing. All right. But yeah, the, the country music, and I don't understand what this obsession is, this mass cultural delusion that we have here in the States, that our heritage, our cultural heritage is country, that everything has to be countryfied and hayseed and banjo picking. And it's, uh, don't get me wrong, I like Kermit the Frog just as much as anyone else, but I'm not going to choose to listen to banjo music. And, yeah. And I would have to be forced at gunpoint to sit and listen to most country. And, and to be fair, as a nation throughout your, your, your history, I, I think it would be reasonable to, to, credit you guys with quite a few really good musical genres i would think that our musical heritage if you had to pin it down would be you know doo-wop or soul or you know uh anything with buddy holly or chuck berry i I think i feel you could take it back even a bit further i mean you've got certain jazz elements there and all all kinds of things i would have much rather have done the lindy hop than any kind of square dancing. Yeah, I, I just, you know, it's it's unfortunate that of of all you, because you've got such a rich musical history, that that country would be the one that would win out in any way, shape, or form. Oh, it's. Do you know what? It's. I don't have that much of an issue with country music. I really don't. I feel there's almost there's some that I love and that I'll listen to over and over and over again. Um, I think that. The dividing line with country music is when people started to do the affected false warble. You know, there there was that period in time where everyone was like, I want to sound like Willie Nelson, but I wasn't raised talking like Willie Nelson. Right. And so you have these people who are trying desperately, just desperately to to overlay this country twang onto their singing voice, even though they talk like valley girls when they're not in front of a mic. Right. I do, we see we get nothing of it here. There's just um, 
you, you won't there's no way you could possibly try to expose yourself to country music in this country i don't know how you'd do it i'm not even sure we have a country section of the itunes store you know, I'd never stop to think about it, but it, it, that's not something that you would partake in. Uh, there's no country music station in rural Wales because no. country music has always been the you know the the music of the country, the music of the farmers, of the people who have their pickup trucks and are secluded and live in rural settings. And that sounds like large parts of England and and the rest of the the uh, UK fit that description. Yeah, um, you see the country stuff again. That brings you back to sort of the Morris dancing stuff and that sort of thing. We do have a, a country music section of the iTunes store here, actually, but it's got lots of Johnny Cash in, and and that's fine. I, that's I'll fine. To Johnny Cash, bit of Dolly Parton. The number ten selling album is Shania Twain's greatest hits. Yeah, but see, that's about the time that it started to cross over. Yeah, then it became she. That was quite poppy when she got when she became because she was huge over here for a while. Shania Twain. Really, I would not have suspected that to be the case. Yeah, she was absolutely huge. What was the name of the album? It's one that. Oh, where is it? This is. I'll tell you a little secret. You see, Craig actually, you know, Craig Bevan actually knows all the words to the Shania Twain album. Oh Lord! No, because he, he and this is his story. This is what he told me that he had a girlfriend once when this album came out, and she loved it and just played nothing but that album. So which it kind is of, why I can sing quite a few Britney Spears songs. Yeah. So I mean, it's plausible, but you know, I mean, it, it. I would also accept that he just liked the album. That's, but that's fine, you know, who am I to criticise anyone's taste in music? I can't even remember. She's done millions of albums, this woman. Oh yeah, Shania Twain is, I'm almost 100% certain I read somewhere that she is the number one selling country artist of all time. Really? Which wouldn't surprise me, because she's got the double threat going on. I mean, she is objectively an okay performer. Yeah. You know, even I'd be willing to begrudgingly admit a good performer. I I don't like the stylings. I don't like the trappings. But from a strictly objective standpoint, yes, good voice. Plus, smoking hot. She's frighteningly hot, isn't she? Really? Very much so. I remember reading once that her, her husband at the time was divorcing her and just being bewildered. Like, she must be the most evil bitch in the universe. You can forgive a lot for someone who looks like that. Yeah, that was what it's like. She must have murdered his parents or something like that. There must be what what could she have done that you would break the cam? You know, what would be the straw that broke the camel's back? All right, no, Shania, you have to go now. I am leaving. She would have had to do something that would have justified writing the, the most, the, the saddest country song in all of history. Absolutely. <laughs> she killed his dog. She crashed his truck. Took his guitar and everything. Oh dear! How, where the hell are we now in this? I don't know what what's what we're doing now anymore. We're, we're no still idea. on PE lessons. Uh, <laughs> oh, what? Did you ever have scooters? No. Oh wait, do you mean like the the mini ones? The tiny like flat boards with wheels, almost like square uh square skateboards. Yeah, they they were here, but I didn't have one. 
again, that was more... By that time, I was quite happy on my mountain bike for sort of personal transportation. So a scooter was still a bit too close to that skateboard, which just has horrid memories. I'm still talking about gym class because this is... Oh, right. There was this weird trend in American public schools where for some reason they didn't want you to play, uh, you know, team sports at too early of an age. Okay. Like in, in class, dodgeball was suddenly out of vogue because kids were getting hurt. And a lot of parents thought the kids were too young for things like American football. And so there there was this huge void to fill in gym class. And all of a sudden you had these, uh, you know, you know, hippy dippy teachers come up through the ranks introducing ideas of alternative play that everyone could participate in without being competitive. So scooters were one of them. And it was like a, a square, almost like a mortarboard size made out of plastic. Right. And they had uh, wheels on each of the four corners, almost like uh, almost like something that you would push a mop bucket around on. Right. But these boards, you would run and you would jump on them and you would slide across the floor. And they wouldn't really go anywhere. You couldn't steer them. But you could use them for a lot of different activities. And most of it would be like crazy games where you would have to team up with a partner and the partner would push you and you'd have relay races on the scooters. Yeah, under no circumstances would they ever have made it near an English school, ever. It sounds ever. very Tonian over there. The the, the nightmare of, of cracked skulls and other things that would have occurred. <laughs> Just... No way. I, I can't. We'd have been allowed to bring guns with live ammunition before those were put in school. My God, no. No. No form of, of vehicle or any kind of. No. I am. That shocks me. It just. My uh, family moved around a lot when I was little. I, I was born in Pennsylvania. When I was five years old, we moved out to Oregon on the West Coast. That's, uh, that's the state what is above California for you who are geographically challenged. <laughs> then we moved back to New York and we lived in several different places in New York before we settled on the place where I always say that I grew up, which is way, way upstate above the Adirondack Mountains. But, you know, through, through all that period, four or five different school districts I was in and they all had these scooters. It was a universal thing. Hurt yourself with. Um, we, I, I feel like kids are more wrapped in cotton wool now than than I was as a child, but even so, we had we had just had nothing you could seriously hurt yourself with, not until you got higher up into secondary school, and then you'd have like a uh, time in a, a like a wood shop, or something like that, and then there's plenty the, of opportunity to hurt yourself. I think one of the biggest differences between our two cultures is that Americans take pride in putting themselves in situations where they can injure themselves, but escaping unscathed. Yeah, it's it's, because, it's 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 carry on. Sorry, no worries. I, I was just gonna say, if you look at the difference in our sports, uh, I'm probably gonna offend a lot of people. Sorry, Boz. I see you in the chat room. You're listening, and I, I I'm pretty sure that you're a soccer fan. But uh, looking at the difference between American football and the rest of the world football, we're all about getting hurt. It's a higher contact sport. We like to up the odds. We like the hard hits. We like to be able to hear the helmets crashing against each other and think, hey, that guy's neck just was in real, real danger. See, I think that the classic argument here against American football is rugby's like that with no pads and helmets. But I think the truth of it is, is that you guys hurt yourselves a hell of a lot more 
playing American football than anyone does playing rugby. I don't know because rugby here is very much a club sport. I, I, I went through a period in college where I liked watching rugby and it did seem like there was always a guy who got dragged off the field with some sort of concussion or split skull or, you know, mangled hand or something like that. And I didn't know whether that was because it was being played by amateurs or whether it was because it really is a higher contact sport. I actually think it's the kind of thing where if you, kind of you reach that level where you can play it well enough to not hurt yourself but then if you start playing it really well then you're gonna hurt yourself you see so there's kind of like that yeah i think you're right that if, if amateurs play it, someone's just gonna get hurt but you can be good enough to not hurt yourself but then then you go up against the all blacks and you'll learn against you'll learn what hurt is really you'll go up against the what now the all blacks that's the uh are they the news the kiwi team Buzz, you might be able to help me out with this in the chat room. I feel like such a non-man by not being able to say that. Yeah, they're the the New Zealand international rugby team, and they're they're called the All Blacks because they play in a black top and a black and black shorts. Ah, okay. It sounded like a scarily racist. Term. No, no. And I was like, uh, let's check that out. That's what they do, and they are by all accounts goddamn fierce individuals. They're, these are the guys that actually do an ancient Maori war dance before each game on the field designed to scare their opposing team. It's it's quite a big thing. You you must have seen it. What's it called? Oh, I feel I'm I'm just upset now because I don't know what these things are called. Now, here no. we go. It, we should get Boz in on the call here. Boz, if you can hear us, um Let's get him on in the call somehow, because he's saying in the chat room that he played American football at the primary school during playtime. And I'd be really, really curious to hear if there were rules about it or how it's played or if there are any kind of differences. I think it's you see, we would have almost we would have kind of played at American football occasionally. It's the kind of thing where here someone might have gotten given an American football ball. And he might bring it to school for playtime or recess, whatever. Um, oh, he's, Boz is listening on his phone, so he won't be able to call in. But ah, um, so yeah, it would kind of you'd kind of play at playing it, sort of thing. We don't know the rules of the game. We didn't we didn't play it properly, or anything like that. Uh, and it, it, I don't know where it would have been officially played in lessons or or anything there either. It sounds like you very much view American football the way that we view cricket. Most Americans would recognize that there is a thing called cricket, and yeah. we would know what a cricket bat is if it were put in front of us. I could not begin to tell you any of the rules of cricket other than maybe someone pitches a ball and you can hit the ball in any direction. Yeah, that's, that's about it. That's pretty much my understanding of cricket as well. And they is play until their mums call them in for tea. <laughs> Yeah, is there a wicket of some sort? Yeah, that's the aim. The bowler is trying to knock over the knock the uh, the wickets over, um, and the batsman obviously is trying to stop him from doing that and cause and scoring points. So you hit the ball and you run between the two wickets, and that's that's kind of the equivalent of like running around the baseball diamond. There you're scoring points. If you hit it to the boundary of the the field and it hits the floor, then you score four. If you hit it beyond the boundary and it doesn't hit the floor, uh, then that's a six. That's that's pretty much the extent of my cricket knowledge. 
this is just baffling. It might as well be Blurmsball for all I know. All these strange terms. I'm sure that it's a, a very, very engaging sport and that it's simple if you get into it. But the way that you're describing it is just, it sounds incomprehensible. I, I find it incomprehensible. People love it. Some people absolutely love it as much as anyone can love a sport. But I find it unbelievably boring. I would say that the closest thing that we have to a British sport would be baseball, because all of your sports seem to be based around this central premise of uh, civility. You know, you're very polite to each other, even in the midst of no, 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 I'm hearing no, no, (laughs) no. Cricket seems like such a polite thing, especially when I'm looking here at pictures of cricket uniforms. Yeah, cricket would have been, I, I, I suppose, historically a gentleman's game um like i say it really does stop for tea it really you know and they go in at lunchtime i suppose when you're going to play a game that lasts for five days you you have to eat but you know I, they wear jumpers while they're playing so that's part of why it bothers me that it's a sport so if you can wear a jumper and and you have to wear a jumper because you're not really doing much then it's not it's not a sport but. Soccer seems very much like the same aesthetic to me, though, because uh, I, I know that it's a little bit more cutthroat and that there's a lot going on. There's a lot of physicality and a lot of endurance happening on the field, but it seems like there's still a baseline courtesy. Yeah, I mean, there's there's rules involving contact and that sort of thing. Um, now, there's there's rules involving contact in American football, too, but that's not going to stop a six foot ten guy who weighs 400 pounds from walking up to you and slamming you to the ground and sitting on you and breaking three of your ribs. You yeah, know? You, you just you couldn't do that in football. I mean, football's about it's you, you you go for the ball. And so this this is part of the the of the experience of football is, you know, referees decisions over incidents. Was he going for the ball? Did he go to take his legs out from under him? All this sort of thing. And you'll have massive disagreements and arguments over such things. It, it's probably completely unfair, but there is a reputation in America that soccer, as, as I'm going to continue to call it, is, uh, is a bit of a panty-waist sport. A bit of a what? A, a panty-waist sport. A panty-waist sport. For, uh, for, the, for the, ooh, the little Lord Fauntleroys. Right. Um, no. No, not at all. It, 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 it's. Do you know? It's. There are fans of the game that would say this is part of the appeal of football as a game that it is as relevant to uh, any different social background as any other. You know, there, there. You could definitely see a, a posher element in it, but also this is played by kids on the dirtiest of street corners and that sort of thing, and. You know, a lot of the big name players come from le- less than brilliant backgrounds. E- even David Beckham, I believe. It's it's a totally unfair stereotype. But when I think of people in, let's say, Latin American countries playing soccer, I think of it being as a lot more of a roughshod, cutthroat, very very physical game than when I think of the the English playing soccer. I can understand why you'd think that. Yeah. But you see that that is again part of the that's a, a a good example of the wide appeal of football that this is not just played by English uh, rich people. You oh, have, there's but, no doubt that it's the know, most popular sport in the world. The the best people at it are arguably, I'm told, the 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 guys who 
grow up playing it on the beaches in Brazil and that sort of thing. And, you and know. you'll be happy to know that it, it's really gaining a foothold. Huh? Huh? Yeah, like I see that. <laughs> a foothold in America. It, it is probably replacing American football as the most popular sport among small children, at least. The, the soccer clubs here are booming like you would not believe. Right. Summer clubs, um, early start soccer. Uh, football has a lot of liability getting into it, and there's a lot of equipment costs. But soccer, you just really need the uniform and the ball and the cleats. That's it. There's there's accessibility to it. Yeah. I mean, it's I, I totally see the appeal of the game. I have no interest in it being played professionally whatsoever, but I totally see the appeal of it. I really do. It's I think that's why, you see, as a nation, we, we tend to... Some of us will love football, the rest of us ignore it, until there's a big football event like the World Cup or England seem to be doing quite well, and then everybody loves football. Uh, and so it's fairly easy to get into. I just don't have time to learn the squads of every team in the leagues and care about stats and things like that. It's it's just too much for me. I think stats are also something that are bogging down baseball. And I'm curious to find out what your view is uh, from from a you know a national standpoint about baseball. Was it something that was accepted and widely practiced in your physical education classes growing up, or or was it totally subsumed? Totally not not mentioned ever for any reason. No, no baseball at all. No, nothing. This is depressing. Nothing whatsoever. Absolutely You're... no mention of it. Your school would not own a baseball bat. There would be no baseball bats and baseballs available to buy in sports equipment stores. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. What it... about club teams or extracurriculars? Or... No. No. Nothing. Just totally ignored. Totally ignored. Do you think that there's a cultural reason for that? Is it like uh, is it is it like the English people rejected baseball because it's it's too American or it just never made it here? I I think that's it's just never never been a thing at all. It's, it's no interest in it, and I I I don't know whether that's the classic British well our game's better sort of attitude. I don't know. It's not something I've ever thought about. I have seen a baseball game uh, in Florida. We went to see a baseball game, and it was great. I enjoyed the the experience of it, and it was a lot more of a general experience than I expected it to be. You know, there's a lot more going on than just the game. But yeah, nothing here. I don't. I don't well, even know if I. There might be some English baseball teams. Actually, I don't. I don't know. You know, if you were to ever visit over here, I think that's the one thing that I would want to take you to is run into Cleveland here, get tickets to an Indians game and show you baseball because it's such it it is the sports equivalent of line dancing or square dancing to bring it back to what we were talking about before. It's something that in some ways is almost completely culturally irrelevant now. Yeah. It's it's completely reached its peak. There's literally nothing short of juicing that you could do to make baseball players more efficient or to make the game go differently. It it has been solved. It's a it's a math problem that's been completely solved. There's no room for improvement. Right. But still, there's something about being in that ballpark and eating your hot dog and rooting for the home team and watching the players come up and knowing their names 
and looking at the stats on the board and being like, hey, can he hit a homer? You know, it's 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 addictive. It really is. Oh, I I totally understand it. If if I were to get into another sport, I'd be willing to give baseball a go. I really would because it seems it seems like fun. I actually tried the other day watching the the Ken Burns baseball documentary on Netflix. Oh, really? Made it five minutes in. And what stopped you? Uh, it's a Ken Burns documentary, and I've never made it past five minutes into any episode of any of them without falling asleep. And I, I literally do, honestly, nothing has ever made me fall asleep quicker besides an actual anesthetic before an operation. Nothing has made me fall asleep quicker and more reliably than a Ken Burns documentary. You know, that was exactly what happened to us with March of the Penguins. Lisa and I popped that sucker in and Morgan Freeman started talking about the penguins. Yeah. And we were both out within five minutes. I mean, that's that's the quickest that we've ever fallen asleep ever. Yeah. For any reason. It's I, I tried watching one of the Civil War ones again because I do love that series. I, I can appreciate them that they're, they're, they're really good. It's just that music starts. It was the one about the assassination of Abraham Lincoln. That was all the episode was about. And I didn't even make it past just the brief recap of what the previous episodes had been about. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't hear anything about the actual assassination of Abraham Lincoln. And that was the title of the episode. Just, it's just it's incredible. I, I need one on my phone just to make sure I can sleep at any given moment. Baseball does have a lot of things going for it and against it, though, because I'm thinking back on those PE days, and it was one of those, it's one of those spring sports that you, if you were a lazy or a fat kid, you kind of wanted to play baseball, because 90% of the game was spent either standing in the dugout or standing in the outfield. That was my issue with cricket, though. It's it's actually my issue with a couple of games, golf as well. That it strikes me as it's okay when it's your go, and the rest of the time you kind of just stood around doing nothing. Right. And so that's why I'd hate playing cricket in PE because it's great if you're the bowler and it's great if you're the batsman. The rest of the time, you go and stand on that bit of the field over there in case this kid hits the ball over there, but he's nine and he can't hit the ball anyway, so he's not going to hit it over there. So really, just stand there for the entire lesson. Which is why I've really always kind of had an issue with baseball even being called a sport. I think it's I think it's definitely a game, and it can be a very fun game sometimes. Uh, but any any game where you can stand in a spot with your knees locked, or you can be you know t- twenty or thirty pounds overweight and still be able to play the game, that's that's not really a sport. It's like bowling. Yeah, bowling's not a sport. No, bowling's very much a game unless you're talking to the Olympic you know commission. <laughs> Yeah, those guys, I still have issues with them deciding that synchronized swimming is a sport. Yeah, that's not a sport. <laughs> they say that. It's in the, it's the Olympics. You can get a gold medal in synchronized swimming. I think that any of the people who are participating in that are way, way, way more buff than I, so I'm not going to complain. I'm not sure men do it at all, do they? I think there's men synchronized swimming, but regardless, if if I were paired up in a fight against a female synchronized swimmer, I have no doubt she'd be able to kick my ass. Oh yeah, and quickly. Yeah, it's not. I I know that the the typical argument is that it's a performance art, and I see that there there's there's so much subjectivity to it, which I guess you could say that for a lot of um, supposed sports like um, figure skating. Yeah. 
I, I suppose so. Did you have an ice rink, by the way? God, no. no. We we just had the one at the at the Doncaster Dome, which was purposefully designed to be inappropriate for doing any form of uh, recognized ice-based sport. It was, honestly, one... So, the Doncaster Dome, uh, I don't know if I've even ever explained this to you. It's, it's, uh, it's actually Europe's largest indoor sporting leisure complex. Oh, yeah. Right, in Doncaster. And it has a dome on, hence the name. And so you can go there and do swimming and ice skating and, and, and pretty much anything you care to name. But the, when they designed this building back in the early 80s, they decided that really it should be just for normal people to come and have a go at these sports. That, I like there, that. that there must not be any way whatsoever that any form of professional event could take place in these facilities. And so they designed the sports hall, for example. The roof is three inches too low for any official indoor tennis, badminton, basketball, you care to name it. It cannot legally be played there, and that's See, on that's purpose. brilliant. It's it's it would I I disagree because it meant that nothing could come there. You know, <laughs> you, you you could have this. We had a skating rink. Could, was were we going to get a hockey team? No, you couldn't do it. Could you go there and do figure skating? No, because they they built it on two levels with a ramp rather than it just being a big flat skating rink. Crazy. The, the- the pragmatist in the back of my mind is is screaming along with you, you know, being like, "This doesn't make sense. It's not going to be saleable. You can't make money or recoup your in, your investment cost in that facility unless you bring big, you know, big acts." But the the socialist in me is saying, "I, I like the idea of a very specific plan to stop a facility from being completely um, monopolized by the the elite." Yeah. I suppose that there is a sort of very socialist attitude behind it, and that's not necessarily the worst thing in the world. But I don't know; it just it never quite sat right with me. Like the swimming pool, we could have had a proper Olympic-sized swimming pool, and there could have been official sporting events that took place there. But they were like, "No, we need like a wave machine and a, a whirlpool pool and slides and stuff." You think, "Oh, that's okay. I'll go on your slides, but..." You know, would it would a fifty meter pool have killed you? Really? You know, the older I get, the the more I realize just how lucky I was growing up. The the place where I went to high school and and where I always identify as being my hometown, uh, Malone, New York. I went to Franklin Academy High School, which is the local public school. It sounds posh. It's not. But uh, we we did have a couple of big advantages. First, we did have our own ice rink. Wow. Which was open to the public, and we we fielded a hockey team, ice hockey team, uh, which in other places of the country, I guess, is not something you do, but it always seemed just very natural to us. Uh, and, and you could go there, you could go ice skating, you could go on dates. It was open, you know, whenever the hockey team wasn't using it. And the second thing was we we did have our very own indoor Olympic sized swimming pool, you know, for competitions and. As a matter of fact, it was mandatory that we take one semester a year uh, a swimming class. We did do swimming through school. We did do that, um, but that was that was primarily sort of make sure every kid can swim kind of effort. 
Uh, it was very much focused on on water safety and water survival for yeah. us as well. Not so much the sport of it or, or improving your time. There there was some time dedicated to teaching the different strokes. You know, making making sure that you could pass a butterfly stroke or a an overhand stroke or a lifeguard dive that sort of thing. But it was mainly focused on making sure you didn't die in the water. Yeah, I mean, I actually did life saving badges through school and that sort of thing. It was that was good, but that even that was separate from PE. Uh, and the way we had to do that, there was one sort of big school in, in Doncaster that actually did have its own pool. And so sort of one day, it, they had some sort of system whereby kids from the other secondary schools in Doncaster could come and use their pool. Uh, it wasn't, it certainly wasn't a public pool or anything like that. Have some awful memories of that, really, now I think about it. I, it wasn't fun. Going swimming with school. It's sort of Friday afternoon. They'd get everyone on a coach. We'd go to this school. There'd be the nightmare of going swimming. Then we'd all get bussed back to our school. And it was just nightmarish. I would have hated to have had to supervise that as a teacher. Really. But that's what we did. And I guarantee you 100% there's not a single school in this country with a skating rink. There might now, as we speak, be countries, uh, schools covered in ice. Because it's snowing here for some reason, but uh, yeah, there's there's no schools with a skating rink whatsoever. It surprises me with all of the Nordic and and Scandinavian influence in your country there that there's not more of a a push for ice hockey. We don't have enough ice, really. You'd have to have a skating rink, uh, and that that's a a difficult thing. They're they're not that prevalent. Huh. I don't know where the closest one to me is, apart from Doncaster, actually. There must be one around somewhere. But uh, now I'm Google searching again just to see what comes up. Oh, there's <laughs> one in Bradford. There you go. I had no idea. Uh, and then the next one is miles away. So, yeah, it's just not a, a, a an economical thing for a school to get into, unless you happen to be a school near a skating rink it was very much a, a winter oriented place where i grew up um 45 minutes north of lake placid which is where the 1980 olympics were held the the winter olympics that year right and the entire region really did have a, a very winter activity mindset to it because i mean let's face it nine months out of the year it was below freezing and a, a big chunk of that all the time was you know but below zero fahrenheit so everything around there revolved around winter. I live five miles from um, a, a ski hill for crying out loud. All right. Go skiing all the time. The school sponsored a ski club. That's how winter minded everything was. Uh, I, I think it was some, uh, some ridiculous number, like 25% of people up there owned snowmobiles or something along those lines. No need for anything like that here. That's the, that's the thing with, that's why we have, such a bad winter we just weren't win in no way prepared for snow not at all i do find that hilarious because i, I believe you're along the same latitude as we or longitude longitude as i am i'm pretty sure yeah we just don't we generally don't get snow the the last couple of years when we've had snow it's just been mind-blowing why is that here what the hell is that stuff i've seen it on tv now it's here it's it just we don't get snow and now suddenly we do. It's the end of the world, and we didn't listen. See, this year is the reverse for us. We, we've got no snow 
at all. I mean, maybe a total over the entire season of three or four feet. Well, we just had the the hottest March ever. Uh, it was like 32 degrees somewhere at one point. That's centigrade. That's like a million Fahrenheit or something. I have no idea how the... <laughs> we don't use your the, fancy science-based yeah, measurements. <laughs> I, I have no idea. Uh, and I did A-level chemistry. My God, I should know it. I should just be able to go, oh, that's whatever Fahrenheit. It's not 90 a, degrees. 89.6 yeah. degrees Fahrenheit. So yeah, we just had the hottest March on record, and now it's snowing outside. It never snows in April. It just doesn't snow. It rains in April. The song's about those April showers that may come your way and all that sort of thing. No, it's snowing outside. So at school, we'd be playing rugby. All four years of high school for me, it snowed for the first time on Halloween, snowed for the last time on Mother's Day. Right. Which is in May. See, Halloween, I'd almost still expect to be out in a light jacket. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I don't get bad snow. But I've played rugby at school in the snow. And that, I mean, you, you if I had to explain to you the pain of, you're outside on a football pitch, it's sort of sleeting sideways, and the wind is blowing, and you've just got shorts and a thick jumper on. And a football hits you in your thigh. The, the pain of that is something quite extraordinary. And, and unless you've experienced it firsthand, it's difficult to to get across just how much it hurts. And you get the perfectly round, circular red mark on your leg that's there for the rest of the day. It, it's I just have no good memories of PE at school whatsoever, which would probably upset my dad because he's a PE teacher. Now, I never played rugby in the snow, but I can tell you that uh, junior year of high school, uh, it's about 100 pounds ago, I ran <laughs> indoor track, which is a winter track. And uh, we, we actually practiced outside. So what we would do is we'd go out, we'd run through three-foot snowdrifts to the top of a hill, puke into a garbage can, and come back down. Wow. That hurt like hell. Oh, and it, it was always like five degrees Fahrenheit, so I'm going to get my handy Google up here again. You'd get letters. You'd get parents in at school now doing that. You did something made my kid throw up. What, what are you doing making him throw up? He shouldn't be running. Negative 15 Celsius. My God. School would have been closed. We we wouldn't have been at school in minus 15. No way. The place where I grew up, we're, we're talking, you know, right across the St. Lawrence Seaway from Canada. So let's just say Canada. It was under zero Celsius for probably two months a, a year on average. There was a gas station. In um, just outside of Montreal, who did a promotion one year that for every day that it was under zero Celsius, they would give away a free tank of gas. That <laughs> gas station had to close. Oh dear! Wow, no, we we don't get cold like that here. Thank God. If we did, I'd move. Honestly, I I hate <laughs> the cold. I'd rather be too hot than too cold. Any day of the week, just if we just got snow like that, I'd, I'd leave. We've talked about it, you know. Let's just go to California. Is it hot in California? Let's go there. Let's go where they film No Country for Old Men. Let's go and live there. Let me tell you about the Great Ice Storm of 1998. 
I stormed. That's not something that sounds good <laughs> right off the bat. That's two words that I wouldn't want to be combined. What's the most amount of snow that you've ever seen fall in one period? <sighs> Probably what amounted to a couple of inches. Probably. All right. So uh, just following Christmas, the tail end of 1997, we were on break from school. As it switched over into the new year of 1998, a storm came through and dropped about three feet of ice. Right. Onto the entire north part of New York. And uh, that meant that it, it was so cold and everything was so buried that it snapped all of the telephone and power poles. They just popped. Wow. Because it was too cold. All the electricity for hundreds and hundreds of miles around was gone. There was no heat or power of any kind unless you happen to have a generator. My family had to go and get snowshoes and snowshoe out to a place where we knew <laughs> where there was power. And we did that about once every two days until uh, three weeks later, the National Guard came and dug everybody out. Wow. Yeah, we were without power and and all that for that long. Wow. No, that never would happen here, anywhere here at all. That's just... Although, do you know, I think my... My grandma would have worn snowshoes to school uh, at one point in in Yugoslavia back in the day. I can see that because Yugoslavia, from what I've read about it, is very, very much like New York, Canada up there. Yeah, I know very little about the place. Um, and, and now technically, I suppose it doesn't even exist anymore. Well, the the place is still there, isn't it? Now I think, yeah. <laughs> It's not we're, okay. We're not Yugoslavia anymore. Pack everything up. Come on, all the trees. Get those down. We're done now. Yeah, it's call all it still in, there. Boys. Beep, beep, beep. Yeah, call call the Italian contractors. Yeah, get those mountains out the way. They're they're done with. Uh, but yeah, mom, my mum had told me that she would have gone to school on skis occasionally, which is of course where the cross country skiing built up. I could never get into that. Downhill alpine skiing, that's one thing. Yeah. Cross-country sounds exhausting. It, it's And it, it doesn't look that exciting, unless one of them breaks off and tries to shoot James Bond, of course, but that only happened the one time. <laughs> For your eyes only, everyone. That one. With yes. a gun? With, with the gun, yeah. It's a like, toy gun? <laughs> yeah, this went well, didn't it? <laughs> I'm gonna on the show notes. I'm gonna have to say this is the show about PE lessons. Brackets really keep listening. Just ignore the entire first thirty seconds. Yeah, yeah. No, this is it's fine though. It's fine. I uh, have some interesting PE memories. Ah, now then, something else. Did you guys have to shower after PE? Oh, most definitely. Yeah. No, there, I mean, there was a period up until about fifth grade where you didn't have to just because you were, a, you know, you weren't sweating as much when you were a little kid. You weren't yeah. winded and, and out of breath and, and sweating quite as much. But at about sixth grade, that's when they started saying, OK, strip down. See, we my my first school would have had no shower functionality whatsoever. God how much things have affected the way I talk shower functionality at a school <laughs> uh, and yeah same thing we were little kids so that wouldn't have been an issue my middle school there we showered so I showered for like two years 
But at my, I suppose what you'd call high school, at secondary school, we had showers, but they were never used. And it was always, it was, it was a very bad thing. Uh, I didn't like, I, I think when you start getting kids to shower together, you open up a whole new world of social problems for kids to deal with. This is a story that I hear over and over and over again, but I never had a problem with it and I never saw a problem with it. Granted, there was always one wiry little awkward kid who didn't like going in the shower or, you know, would try to cover himself disproportionately to how everyone else would. But by and large, the entire time all through school, no matter what part of the country I lived in, no matter what state it was or what school system, the showers just weren't a problem. Everybody just filed in. It was very run of the mill. I remember there being like a bit of the first time that we progressed to the school that had the showers and you had to have a shower for the first time. Bit of nervousness, unshown behavior, that sort of thing. A lot of awkward looks and people trying not yeah. to have their eyes linger too low. And then that kind of went away, but when I didn't have to do it anymore, I was glad. It, it's And it's it, just to be clear, it's certainly not a sexual thing in any way. It's it's more just a. I think it's a personal privacy thing. I I'm not. I don't. And maybe that's that's wrong. Maybe that just goes against the fact that I am an animal and all of that. And so what if I'm naked and washing and there are other people there doing the same thing? But I, it's something I'm much happier just doing on my own at home. And so the idea of doing it at school, mind you, there must have been some afternoons at school that I absolutely stank then. <laughs> So, but then everybody stinks, so that's not bad. And I was probably wearing the PE kit that had been in my locker for three months. With you know, my... the problem with showers at school was always that there was never enough time for them. So you would end class, you would be sweating and, and steaming and everything after a, a long, hard game of basketball or whatever you were doing, but you were all worked up and your body temperature was really high. So you'd go into the shower you would have about 20, maybe 30 seconds in there. By the time you got out from under the water, sure, you were clean, but your body was still heated up and you were still, your, your body would start sweating again. So you'd go to your next class and the, the stink would still be there. Who are we kidding? See, I don't, actually, this says a lot about me, but I don't remember ever getting up that much of a sweat in a PE lesson. And I don't remember anyone else doing it either. Maybe I had some terrible PE lessons, or maybe we just didn't try hard. You see, I think maybe a, a difference between our two sets of, of physical education is that in ours, there was no emphasis placed on physical achievement or improvement at Wait, any so point. There were no benchmarks that they forced you to? No, there was oh, nothing wow, like that. You the The reason for playing a game was to learn about teamwork and the strategy behind a game and that sort of thing. It was not to be good at the game. You losers. The, the reason to play the game is to win. Well, this is why we suck, generally. <laughs> you know, cause the, and this is going to happen again in a few months. We're going to have the Olympics, and we are going to do best quite poorly. No, nobody's thinking that Team Great Britain is going to win the Olympics, you know? It, it's it's you, the Russians, and the Chinese, really. And even the Russians are pushing it a bit these days. That's what's going to happen. That's what's always happened at the Olympics, at every Olympics that I've been alive for. 
Hey, don't undersell the, the Germans. And Well, it's whatever happens, it's not going to be us. And then inevitably, because again, this happens after every single Olympics, there will be a series of news reports about why don't we do well at sport? We're shit at sport. Did you see that? We had everybody over <laughs> to play sport and we lost everything. Did you see? And then they'll be sort of, oh, well, we need more PE in school and it's really this. And the government will say what we need is sports academies, especially sports schools and all this. And you think, no, the reason we're shit at sport is because the weather's miserable out and no one wants to go and play it. And because at school, you don't play to be good at something. You just you do it for other reasons, not to... <laughs> They don't give a shit at school if you get if you're good at football. You don't get an A if you're good and an F if you're shit at it. That's not how it works at all. See, our post Olympic wrap down newscasts are more like this. Hi, Jim. We're here to talk about the Olympic wrap up. Hey, did you see all those other fuckheads trying to compete with us? Weren't they just complete pussies? They sure were, Bill. Hey, Jim, did you see those assholes over in China trying to get that uh, that basketball gold medal? Will they ever learn? Oh, those cute little Chinese. Yeah, we, we won't have that. Why are we so rubbish at sport? Why why do we do And the, always the confusion. Why? why, why, why? How have we not got better since the last Olympics? Have we not done that? But David Beckham's English. He's he's a sports person, and they, you know, honestly, it'll be it's we're gonna we're just gonna suck. In the U.S., especially among teens, especially in public schools, there's a direct correlation. The the movies do not lie. Everything that you've seen is true. There's a direct correlation between how good you are in sports and your popularity level. Really? Your your desirability to the females. We have none of that. That was never a factor at school. There was no school football team and they were the cool guys. I don't know who, as I think back, I couldn't tell you from my school history who was ever on a football team and who wasn't. Uh, there was certainly no games that people would go and watch or care about in any way, shape or form. Maybe sort of at the big full school assembly at the end of the year, there'd be some sort of mention of, and the school football team did whatever this year. And everyone would kind of look at each other and go, if we got football team, are you on it? I didn't, I don't know. What? Oh, and that's it. There are parts of the nation here where football isn't the deciding factor in your coolness. But have you ever seen Varsity Blues? Yes. Texas and Ohio very much have that mindset where in high school, uh, football is pretty much the thing. Uh, the parents show up. I think we've talked about this before, too. I, I'm probably re redoing an entire rant here, but the whole town turns out for your damn football game. Everyone's there. If you need to make a business contact, go to the goddamn high school football game. Yeah. Now, we, no one here goes to watch school football games. No one. No one at all. Moving here from New York. In New York, it just wasn't a thing. The football team existed, and that was fine. And the guys on there were, were okay guys. But it, in Ohio, the football team is like is the pinnacle. When you get there, well, you can play football now. So you're automatically in. Right. Everybody has to go see football. College football, high school football, pro football, your kids' football when they turn five and they start playing on the peewee league. You see, I can understand people going to watch their kids play, but 
you know, certainly no one would turn up if they didn't have a kid. If actually, if someone turned up to a school football game and they didn't have a kid in the game, the police would probably be called. <laughs> that individual would certainly be watched by all other parents. Because that's that again is part of of something that has crept in since we were kids. Um, so yeah, the the very notion that anyone would care about these events just it wouldn't happen here. Just wouldn't happen. It's probably more of an indictment on our culture than on yours that that we're obsessed with that. But let me tell you, uh, it is crazy. If you ever have an opportunity to sit in on a high school football game here. And just don't even watch the game. Don't care about that. Just watch the stands around you. Watch at the people who are so emotionally invested in what's happening with a bunch of 17-year-olds on the field that they're screaming and frothing at the lips and jumping up and down. And they've donned enough gear to keep warm when it's 32 degrees out. It's, it's really, truly ridiculous. I can't imagine it. I really can't. Bless you all, though. It's good to, it's, I don't know, it's, it's, it seems good to get really involved in these things in some way. Or, I don't know. I'm just now reminded of the, the episode of South Park where Stan's dad just goes to their baseball games to fight other dads in the crowd. That's it, though. That happens. That's not <clears throat> fake. I'm sure it is as well. You've got your helicopter parents who are screaming at the umps. They're standing all the way up as forward as far as they can get against the chain link, beating on it and screaming, absolutely enraged. You have police officers patrolling around the grounds to make sure that there's no fights. Now, could it be said, though, that if, if you had a kid that was shown to be particularly good at sports as he progressed through his school career, that that could potentially lead to some sort of college scholarship or something like that. Could there be a point... Because in, in this country, unless you're going to play professionally, there's no point in being good at a sport. There's, there's, if, you're, if you are the best footballer, it doesn't matter unless you're being a professional footballer. High school is a direct path to college, and I don't think that very many kids anymore have delusions of grandeur as far as playing in the NFL or playing in Major League Baseball or playing in the NBA. But with the cost of secondary education as high as it is and rising, I mean, I I graduated from college with a $60,000 bill hanging over my head, you know, and it's it's doubled since then in the past dozen years. You're talking about really, really high price tags. And I think that is forcing a lot of kids and a lot of parents especially to to push harder and harder and harder for early achievement. Yeah, it, I just wondered because, you know, we don't have, certainly not that I'm aware of, any university scholarships or anything like that. No one ever offered me one. Uh, and and again, at university, we probably had teams, but I don't know. Honestly, it's we just have such a lack of emphasis on sport. Sport is something that you watch in a pub, on TV, on a big screen. It's not necessarily something you do. So that's we suck at it. We really do. And we're going <laughs> to suck very publicly in a few months. I guarantee it. I absolutely guarantee it. We'll win at something weird. I d didn't we put a weird one in that we think we can beat other people at or something like that? I think the host nation gets to pick a couple of the games. Like darts? Yeah, we should have put darts in there or something like that. Fighting. 
not boxing, just fighting. Bagpiping. No, because then then we'd have to go through the whole. But I'm Scottish. No, you're British. I'm Scottish. <laughs> There's that that joke on on a TV show called Outnumbered, where this uh, it's just a sitcom following a family, and this family has a little girl that is very outspoken, and they end up uh, trapped in an airport with tennis player Andy Murray, who is actually Scottish. And she, uh, the little girl asks him, are you Scottish or English? And he looks at her and says, it depends if I'm winning. Nice. Nice. And and that's it. So, yeah. If he's winning, he's English. Yeah, and he's British. It's all of us. We're all in it together. He lost. Stupid Scotsman. That's <laughs> what we do. That's what we do. Should we wrap this up? We probably should. It's been going on for a good long time now. Let's see. How long has this call been? Oh, wow. An hour and 20. It is time. Yeah. So that I was think a... we mentioned the word gun twice. We did. That was our episode on it being all right to play with toy guns. We didn't even mention skeet shooting. We didn't. <laughs> Which would have nicely dovetailed. We could. We should come back to the toy guns, I suppose. Oh, there's nothing stopping us from bringing it up again tomorrow, or tomorrow, sure, next week. Yeah, let's do that again next week. Okay. Um, But thank you for listening, everyone. Thank you, Boz, in the chat room and other person. I've closed the chat room window. Sorry, I can't see who's in there. You know, you guys can come and hang out with us in the chat room, too. It's very, very easy. Go to simplysyndicated.com. About a third of the way down the screen, right under the, the... Simply syndicated logo. There's a bar. It says shows, simply read, radio, forum, store, events, extras. You want the radio one? Yeah. Or it's just simplysyndicated.com slash radio. And I actually link to it. If you follow sim- the Simply Syndicated Twitter account, I tweet when the shows go out and you can just click the link. I do like watching people participate as we're talking. Because uh, let's face it, half the time I'm just ignoring Rich anyway. Waiting for my turn to talk. That's when I'm reading the chat room. <laughs> I've been following Boz here. He's been uh, he's been chatting right along with us about all the kind of cool stuff that he uh, he can identify with. He's a huge NFL fan, and he hates soccer. So I got that completely wrong earlier. Oh well, he must be the only one though. I don't know. Maybe he's got it, other friends who are. It makes me happy that at least Boz accepts us. Well, that's it's good to build up a following. <laughs> You've got a base now. You can start from somewhere. It's but good. come around the chat room here, uh, seven o'clock Eastern Standard. Well, Eastern Daylight Time now on Tuesdays. That's uh, you're in Greenwich Mean Time, right? I don't know. We just changed it. So are we in British Summertime now? British Summertime. That's midnight. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, Five in fact, hour we are. BST. So it's midnight in the UK. One a.m. in Central Europe. So join us, won't you? Yes. It's fun. Join us. If you want to email us, the email address is remastered at simplysyndicated.com and you can join the forums at simplysyndicated.com slash forums, I think, or forum. There's a button. It's next to the radio button on the website, people. It is forums, plural, with an S, which is grammatically incorrect, but we'll forgive you this time. Do you know why that is? That's because the the last forum system was at simplysyndicated.com slash forum. Oh, so you needed to one-up it. I got you. Yeah. <laughs> that's precisely why it is. Uh, you can 
you can go to that forum there and uh, there's a thread for remastered you can join right in there and, and there's even one where you can suggest show topics which the people who have already we're not ignoring you we just haven't gotten around to it yet we had a good uh, list of sort of 10 to begin with right and there's one on here that i really want to talk to you about when we're off the air because i think it would make a good one a, a few weeks from now okay i think that's every oh yes as well don't forget, people, the best way you can help us out at the moment, click a retweet button for us. Share something on Facebook about us. We've got buttons all over the place. If you see us tweet something, please t retweet it again or follow us on Facebook. You know all the social stuff. It really helps us out, and that we really appreciate that a great deal. Failing that, any money you've got lying around, just give that to us. Please. Just, <laughs> it you, you it doesn't do. go in our pockets. No. It, it does help to pay for things like, I don't know, getting you this audio. All that sort of thing. There being a forum and an email address. You know, all that stuff. And there's a big donate button on the website at simplysyndicated.com. I think I've said that enough now. That's it. Is there anything else? I think that might be everything. I think that's just about it. Join us next week. We'll look forward to it. Okay. Bye-bye, everyone. See you guys.